This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Maybe any of you millennials watching tonight will be able to relate to this story. Uh, When I was younger, before I had five mouths to feed, if you asked me about the word wealth or wealthy, the picture that would come to my mind was that of Scrooge McDuck. Hiya, rustle and sparkle and tinkle. Oh, the thrill of you never will cease. May you blossom and flower and rise like a tower. Scrooge McDuck swimming in his pile of money. I thought of the idea of being wealthy as some old crazy guy in a pile of coins million, swimming around. Uh, maybe it was a windfall, maybe an inheritance. I don't really know how Scrooge McDuck got all his wealth. But it was never something that I was trying to attain for myself. I always thought of the idea of getting wealthy, growing wealth as something somebody else would be doing. Uh, I was interested in other things in life than just earning a lot of money. It was probably years and years later, since watching Scrooge McDuck swim in all those coins, uh, when I came across a different kind of an idea to the word the word wealth and what it meant. And for the first time in my life, I found myself actually striving for it. The idea was that wealth was not having a bunch of money or a job that paid you a lot of money. Wealth was basically freedom. The freedom to do what you wanted with your loved ones, with your children, your wife, with your life. The freedom to do things every day that you were proud of, work that you enjoyed. If you think about having wealth, it's something that allows you to do the things that you actually do care about, which is probably not swimming in a lot of coins. This idea changed how me and Kay handled our finances. We started to take a really hard look at our life, what we wanted to do, and realized how growing our wealth 
and protecting that over time, slowly, the hard way, not, not fast money, not quick money, uh, would allow us to do what we wanted, which was really spend more time with our family, with our children, and work the land that we loved. For all of you watching, you're watching the show because you love homesteading, or at least you love the idea of homesteading. You want to homestead someday. And one of the things I hear holds people back all the time is not being able to start because you don't own land or because you can't afford to right now. Tonight's show is not about amassing a large pile of coins that you can go swimming in. It's about building a life that will allow you to spend more time doing the things you love. If that's gardening, if that's hunting and fishing, if that's spending time working with animals with your children, like I am blessed to be able to do every single day with my family here on our homestead, is what I hope for you. And uh, tonight's guest is an individual who's played a huge part in our life as we, Kay and I, worked towards getting financial freedom from debt and being able to do the things we love every day. His advice has helped guide us and I know many others. He has a podcast called The Wealth Studying Podcast. One of the reasons I enjoy John's podcast so much is because it comes, while it's a financial show, it comes from someone who is very interested in the prepper world, the homesteading world. Uh, he takes a holistic approach to growing your family's wealth. And he is the one who talked about wealth being freedom and not a big pile of coins. Tonight, John's joining us on the show to really take a hard look at what's coming for most of us across the world right now. This pandemic has caused some really big changes to the world. The next six months, the next year, we're going to talk about what you might expect and how you can make sure your family makes it through this time period, uh, being able to grow and protect your family's wealth, your family's freedom, uh, but even more long term. Uh, what changes is COVID, has COVID brought to our society? What is going to change forever? And even when we forget about what COVID was, even when we forget the word, how is society going to shift because of these events? So I want to welcome John to the show. John, welcome to the show. I'm glad to have you back. Austin, great to be on. Looking forward to it. So I said welcome back to John. For those of you who haven't heard our previous episode, John has been on the show in the past. He came on to talk about the basic wealth building principles uh, that the so-called millionaire next door uses uh, to get to where they are financially free to do the things they like and the work they love. Uh, today, we're going to talk a little bit about that, but really we're going to talk more about what we see going on right now and what to expect coming forward. So be sure to go and check out that last episode of our podcast. It's not on YouTube. It was before we had the YouTube channel. Uh, but you can find it in our podcast if you go to the website, and you'll be able to listen to our first episode together. Uh, so, John, it's been a long time since you've been on the show. Uh, before we dive in, why don't you just introduce yourself, to let the audience know what you do at Investable Wealth and with the Wealth Studying Podcast. Sure. Well, my, my podcast, as you mentioned, is Wealth Studying. I started it, so I don't know, I guess we're on our seventh year. We just had our, our sixth birthday, so we're on our seventh year of podcasting, and um uh, I started it just to put out 10 wealth building principles that helped me build my wealth. And I didn't really know where it would take me, but you know, here we are, I don't know, 300 and some episodes. And um, it's been a great experience getting to meet people, a lot of listeners through that, through that podcast. I'm a money manager. I'm an independent money manager. Uh, I'm not a 
financial advisor. I don't sell insurance. I don't do any of those type things. I started off many years ago trying to build my own wealth. Um, like, like you, Austin, I have a big family. My wife and I have, have six kids. They're fortunately all grown and out of the house now. But uh, you know, many years ago, we were starting out as uh, a young married couple and I was trying to find my way through life, what I like to do to make money, what I could, you know, the different things I could do. And I um, eventually gravitated to turning a hobby into a, I guess a business is a good way to look at it. I, I started investing uh, when I was about 24, 25 years old. And uh, it was nothing like it is today because there was no, I mean, Charles Schwab was the only game in town as a discount broker. And it was very hard to, uh, to do it back then compared to what it is today. This is in like 1984, 85. And um, anyways, I, I started as a hobby about 10 years into it. I said, you know, I really don't like my day job, but I had at the time I had five kids and my wife wasn't going to let me quit to go do something else. So I had to keep the day job. And I, um, I decided that I was going to get my joy and my satisfaction and make some extra money by trading stocks. And uh, that eventually evolved into, I got very successful at it, built up my own wealth where I could eventually walk away from my corporate job and um, then went on to uh, actually manage other people's money. So I'm a private money manager. I have a small clientele I work with people. Originally when I started this, I live in Utah, but I was just gonna work with people, you know, in a 60 mile radius of my house and with the podcast and the blog and things. And I've been blessed. I've got clients all over the country. You know, I, I wrote a book, though, about um, technology and automation, robotics. This was in 2016. I think it was in published in 2017, but I wrote it in 2016. And I think a lot about what we'll talk about it tonight comes from that book. Um, someone had asked me, a publisher had asked me to write a book about investing. And I said, well, you know, there's a million books about investing. Let me, let me write a book about what I think is the most important thing about investing, which is staying up with technology. And... Uh, the trends and the things I wrote about in that book are things that, uh, you know, again, I said, I don't, I don't know if it's going to happen over three years, five years, 20 years, but these are the things that are coming. And COVID, I think, has pulled that forward. You know, the, the trend from like working from home, um, the trend from automation, and I'm not talking about robots that just, you know, flip hamburgers, but I, I think that through artificial intelligence and automation, it's really going to attack the white collar and the professional jobs because all the low hanging fruit from, you know, automating um, some more of the uh, labor type jobs, things like, uh, you know, automobile factories, production lines, those things, they've, already, they've been automated over the last 70 years. So the, the real opportunity for automation is to replace those white collar jobs and those professional jobs. And I think that's coming. And I think you're seeing COVID pull a lot of that forward. So. You know, maybe what was going to happen in 10 or 15 years is going to happen over the next three years. Now, one of the things I really liked, and I was talking with my wife about this at the beginning of the COVID outbreak, John, you, you compared COVID, uh, this pandemic, it, it set everybody crazy in so many different ways, right? They were getting crazy, worrying about uh, their actual health and well-being and the world collapsing and financial collapse. And early on, you compared it to a neutron bomb. What does that mean? How was COVID like a neutron, neutron bomb? Yeah, I, and uh, again, this was early on. Uh, I got a lot of criticism from people saying that I hate old people and hate children and things like that. <laughs> but I've, I've always said, and I, I'm not an epidemiologist, you know, among other things, I'm not an epidemiologist. 
So I've always just looked at COVID as being a bad cold or a bad virus, a bad flu. And um, it's something that happens throughout time. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm old enough. I, I lived through the Hong Kong flu back in um, like 1968. I was a kid, 68, 69. Um, I know my, my parents talked about the, uh, uh, the I believe it was the Asian flu in like 1958, 57, that was before I was born. Uh, obviously, we had the, the Spanish flu back in 1918, 1919. My grandfather told me about that. Um, so these things, they happen. You know, pandem pandemics occur. I've always said that, you know, this is not stage four cancer. It's a virus. So we will get through it as, as a humanity. It's not going to be the end of the world. Uh, but it's also like the neutron bomb. And I said this from an investing standpoint. If you, I, I spent years in the military, so uh, sometimes I draw military analogies. But uh, in, in the world of nuclear weapons, there's different types of bombs. One of them is a very dirty bomb. It's called a neutron bomb. And the reason it's so effective is that it's a cloud burst above the, you know, up in the upper atmosphere. And it's very, um, very concentrated in, in radiation. So it, it, the fallout is very deadly and it, it'll kill people, but it isn't like a Hiroshima type bomb where it explodes close to the earth and it destroys buildings or infrastructure. So if you drop a neutron bomb, you kill the people, but all the infrastructure, all the buildings, all those assets are still there. In a lot of ways, I said, this is kind of what COVID is, is that yes, it's tragic, it is gonna kill people, but all the means of production are still there. All the uh, infrastructure is still in place. And so from an investing standpoint, again, it's, it's a human tragedy. I, I don't wanna downplay that. But from a, uh, an investment standpoint, all these infrastructures are still in place. And so once we get through this, um, there's gonna be still a great opportunity to invest in that infrastructure, put that infrastructure to work and to continue making money um, one of these charts I have up here, we may refer to these different times during the evening because they, they, they can mean different things, but, but the chart on the bottom shows the Hong Kong Hang Seng Index, which is kind of like their S&P 500. And this shows it from, nights from uh, 2002 to 2004. This was in the middle of their uh, really bad SARS outbreak. And you know, in a microcosm, that's what happened to them in, in the day. The SARS broke out in China, it came over to Hong Kong, Hong Kong had to shut down all their uh, travel to Hong Kong and things. So it devastated their hospitality business, their hotels, uh, you know, all their air travel, all that stuff got shut down. And, you know, once, once the, the virus burned itself out, we never did get a, va a vaccine for SARS. It just, it burned itself out. And in, in that case, you know, it burned itself out fairly quickly, but it did burn itself out. And when it, once it did, you can see the bottom of that, um, the bottom of the, uh, level with that, the trough of that chart, once it burned itself out, man, the market for the next 18 months just took off. So I suspect that's what we're going to see at some point with COVID. Uh, and in fact, I mean, NASDAQ's been making record highs almost every other day anyways. Uh, but I, I think this is a little, um, a little, I think this is a little overdone. Uh, but long term, we're going to get through this virus and there's going to be opportunities like never before However, the people in those areas that are going to get replaced by automation or robotics or artificial intelligence, those are the guys who are going to have to worry because those jobs, I think, are going to go away faster than they otherwise would have. One of your, um, we talked about a lot in the last episode, John, the, the stages of building wealth, right? Um, and that started off 
Um, if I remember correct, uh, the very first stage is your, uh, and of course the word is escaping me right now, you're, where you're learning. Uh, you call that the apprenticeship, right? Yes. Okay, so uh, there's the apprenticeship and then there's the uh, business model is next. And then, and then after that, we get to the investment stage, right? Those are the three stages. Do I have those right? Yes. All right. So for those in the audience, I know my audience, a lot of my audience is at this, especially with the homestead life, uh, they're interested in starting a homestead business. They have the apprenticeship for them has been raising some meat chickens, raising a couple meat pigs, maybe planting a garden and years and years of doing this where they think, oh, I, I did 10, then I did 100. Now I'm doing a couple hundred every year and people are starting to ask and I sold a couple to mom last year and I sold a couple to my buddies this year. Um, for those who are in that stage of life, maybe they're not investors yet, but they're thinking about taking the step into starting a homestead business, whether that be actually growing food or some other form of production off of their homestead. Does this trend that we're looking at here on this chart, uh, the, the upcoming trends you would expect to see after this COVID dust kind of clears a little bit? Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Is it only going to benefit pers the people investing in the stock market? Or is there something there for the homesteaders too who are looking to start a business? Oh, absolutely. I think there's something there for the homesteaders. And in fact, um, in the book that I wrote, it didn't have anything to do with homesteading, but just to kind of play off that fact, uh, the, the book I wrote was in four different parts. Um, things that, you know, little, little cliches or little word phrases I had about, you know, don't, don't think like a machine, think like a human, right? Because you're never going to outbeat a machine. You're going to, it's going to be your creativity, your personality, those are the areas of uh, uh, that you're going to be able to beat a, a robot on. If you're trying to put more tires on a car or screw bolts faster <laughs> than a robot or, you know, write code faster than a robot can, that's not going to happen, but you can be creative. Um, so kind of one of those elements also I talked about was about um, thinking, um, how did I word it? I said, think like an entrepreneur, not an employee. Okay. And so that's really where I would look at homesteading is you're an entrepreneur. Right? You're running your own business, whether you're selling, you know, duck eggs or, or you know, it's a, a vegetable type product or you know, whatever you're coming up with. Um, or in fact, even kind of step back on the homesteading thing. A lot of homesteaders think they just have to grow things. And I would disagree and tell them to broaden their outlook on things and look at other ways you can either manufacture products from home. Uh, you know, I know people do some of the basics. They make soap or they make... Um, different herbal products, things like that. But but look at things you can not only just grow, but things you can either make, like even wood items, carpentry, fine fine carpentry, um, or services that you can provide from the homestead. Yeah. So you know, to expand that homestead into those areas as well. But I think it's absolutely going to benefit all those people because, um, I mean, one of the biggest reason is is the barriers to entry 
are going away. So, I mean, the same, the same automation that the big companies are going to use to get rid of their employees is the automation that's now available to the mom and pops to go out and, you know, expand their business, market beyond their, their neighborhoods. Um, you know, just everything I do in my life is enhanced with automation. I couldn't have done, you know, what you and I are doing right now, uh, I guess we could have done it 10 years ago, but we couldn't have done it 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, there was no, uh, uh, there was no video type, thing. you know, even, even phone calls. I mean, when I was a kid, a phone call from New York to LA costs something like, I don't know, a hundred dollars for 15 minutes. I mean, it was outrageous. Those, those barriers to entry for the small people have gone away. And so as an entrepreneur, as a small business person, as a homesteader, you can, uh, you can compete with the big guys. And that, you know, that takes on one of the big points you bring out in your book there of, of thinking like, not thinking like a machine, not trying to beat a machine. Um, when it comes to growing, I mean, we're seeing more and more even small scale automation on the homestead, on the farms. Uh, we're seeing different devices that are being made. I'm still waiting for a, a, a no-till drill robot that I could just pre-program to go do the field. I mean, the minute that happens, forget about it as far as uh, you know, beating the robot there. But that idea of expanding the ways we can make money from our homestead. One of the things we, we learned really quickly from our homestead uh, back when we started trying to sell meat and we realized, oh man, selling meat, especially if you're not selling something that's you know organic or even beyond organic, organic with a story, organic with no corn and no soy and all this other stuff. If you're just trying to sell regular chicken to people who can buy it at Walmart for a dollar a pound, it's a losing game. We started realizing there were more ways where you could grow those same chickens, but make more money from it. And one of the big ways was education. We started doing our on-farm butcher classes. Uh, I could grow a chicken and try to get 25 bucks for it, and nobody wanted to pay it. That same chicken, I could earn 75 bucks at a class where people came and butchered that chicken and took it home. And then I had to raise less extra birds because if I can sell one chicken for twenty for seventy five bucks, versus trying to sell, you know, three for twenty five, it was a lot less work. So I love that point about homesteaders thinking about different ways to expand, especially at a homestead level, because we cannot beat, we couldn't beat the larger scale farms before all the automation started. It's only going to get harder. Uh, so focusing on that trend, yeah. Thinking more like the entrepreneur and thinking about different ways to monetize. That's a that's a great tip. John, if someone's trying to start up a little bit of a, you know, a business and you know you're you're a service business where you you deal with someone, uh, you have to meet clients, right? And you have to talk to people who are about to hand you large sums of money and trust you. What are some ways that people who are just starting off at building maybe maybe they're just gonna sell farm fresh eggs? And we've said many times Farm fresh eggs are a horrible thing to try to make good money on because they're hard to make money on. But what if someone says, I don't care what Oz thinks, I'm going to make money on farm fresh eggs. Uh, what would be some ways that they could add a human touch, uh, tap into that emotion, that creativity to help grow their budding farm fresh egg business? One thing is look, for, look to do things differently than other people. If everybody else is doing it, it's obviously not creative, right? Because you're just repeating what someone else is. And that makes you a commodity. And if it's a commodity, then uh, then the lowest cost producer is going to win. Uh, so so look at being creative, and that means 
what's unique to you? And I think we said before we got on the air, I don't know, maybe I said since we, we've been recording about, you know, following your passion. I, I'm not one of those people that thinks you should only follow your passion, but, you know, why would you do something you hate? So, so find what you like to do as an individual, what you're talented at, what you can do better than the average person with those chickens, with the eggs, with, you know, growing tomatoes, whatever it is, use that, start, start with that basis, you know, and again, if you live in, uh, you know, if you live in Pennsylvania, you're going to grow something different than if you live in Phoenix, Arizona, right? So don't, don't live in Phoenix and try and grow the same corn you'd grow in Pennsylvania because it's not going to work. So, so start where you're at with what you have and then start putting your own personality into it and observe around your, your neighborhood. What, uh, you know, maybe you can sell to niche markets. There's, there's plenty of people selling things like goats and lambs to um, um, certain ethnic groups or certain, certain types of religions that, that want goat meat. You know, find that niche, find those people in your community. Maybe they're not in your circle of influence right now, but go out and meet those people, find out what they want. Instead of raising chickens, raise goats, you know, because you can make money off of goat meat. Um, but again, and like you talked about too, a service, maybe, maybe it's providing the education part of it instead of, or the experience of the farm. Or maybe it's the story you tell about, uh, you know, right now, uh, not only is it hard to get certain products, but people are worried about contamination. Um, so, you know, if you're beyond organic and you can guarantee that your food is processed in a certain way where it's, it doesn't have viruses, it's, it's humane to the animal, it meets, um, you know, kosher standards or standards of how to treat animals. That's all part of the story. And, you know, Tyson's Chicken in Purdue, those guys are, they'll beat you on price, but they're not going to beat you on the story if you have the right storyline. And we're so, I mean, here, we, you already mentioned it. You and me are sitting here. We're both podcasters. How, you can tell your story nowadays, your farm story. There's Instagram, there's Facebook, there's podcasts, there's YouTube. If you have a face for radio, make a podcast. If you don't like the sound of your voice, do Instagram. There's a million excuses of why, you know, you, you can't do this thing or that thing. But there's something out there that you can use to tell your story. And, uh, yeah, once you once you have that product and you have the niche that you want to go after, um, then the, the and I'm personally I'm a lousy marketer, but I mean the marketing potential is is so much easier than it's ever been. Uh, the cost of advertising has plummeted. Um, you know the things we again we're doing here with with Zoom, you can do it with um, just a lot of different video sources. You can put your videos up on YouTube. Um, those things in and of itself aren't enough, though. I mean, you're probably most people are not going to be a, a YouTube star, right? Um, but you can still sell things using that video. Uh, you know, you're you're a listener of my podcast, and I, I bet you've never heard me advertise for clients on my podcast <laughs> because I because I don't, right? I the closest I come to an advertisement on my podcast is at the very beginning. I say I'm also the founder and manager. I think I say something like I'm also the founder money manager at investablewealth.com. Right. I don't say I can manage your money or this is my fee or this is what I do. Or I just tell people what I love and what I'm doing in the stock market, how I build my wealth. And I figure the people that are smart enough to put two and two together will know that if they want me to manage their money, they'll find me. Right. And if they're not that smart, well, they probably wouldn't be good clients. <laughs> so you don't you don't have to um, overly market things. In fact, I think there's a huge market 
for not doing that. A lot of people don't want to be sold, right? They don't, they, um, they want to sell themselves. And um, so yeah, tell, tell your story of how you're producing something unique uh, or at least high quality. Um, and, and that's part of it too, the, the whole pricing. Go to, go to Walmart and figure out what they're selling chicken for there. Go to uh, a more expensive place like maybe a um, um, Whole Foods, right? Or and then maybe even go to some really upscale places that are local farmers and see what they're doing and just see where you fit in that whole price range and, and price yourself appropriately. The higher your price, the more quality or the more assumed quality or service you have to provide with it. And uh, again, I, I guess if we talk, I might come up with some more examples, but it's really just a, a matter of finding out what, what people have access to and how they can provide it in, in a better fashion. Awesome advice, John. Awesome tips for you know anybody from the budding entrepreneur who really is just going to open up their first little egg stand to someone who is growing their farm business a bit more, we've been batting around the idea lately of actually getting back into doing, we used to sell meat back in Connecticut. We used to run a meat business. And the only reason we're getting back into the idea is because we're producing something that is very rare and also very needed, which is a allergy free, no corn, no soy, no gluten in our feeds meat. And that's, as we talked about before we came on today, I was catching John up with our the issues we've been having with our baby. Uh, so we're producing something that people need and they can't find. Every website we looked at before we started raising our own here uh, was sold out of this product. So we've been toying with the idea of getting back into it. Uh, but this yeah, advice... It, kind of along the lines of that too, I mean, just thinking about the meat cow, um, you know, ancillary products that go along with that. What about the manure, right? If you're putting yeah. good quality in that cow's mouth, then, that, then not only is the meat good or the milk or whatever but also the exiting side of that cow, right? So now you can sell maybe very high quality, very organic, very productive and fertile manure, right? And you're not gonna ship that maybe across the country, but you can serve a local market with that. So if you can, if that's the kind of thing where you can even just cover cost on selling the manure, then that just makes your overall expense of raising the cattle less expensive, right? So now your meat, even though you can sell it for a premium, you're, you're covering some of the cost of, of raising your meat because you're selling the manure or you're selling the hide or you're selling the, uh, you know, if it was a, a sheep or something, you'd be selling the, the wool off of it. Those ancillary add-ons are um, not that much more expensive for you to do once you already have the production in place. I, uh, we saw a friend was visiting and they were looking at the camel poop <laughs> and the camel poop is like a large goat poop. And they said, there's a woman who makes jewelry out of moose poop. I forget what she calls her, her thing. But what is it? Dirt, turdy works. My son remembered this. Turdy works. They said, you got to start making camel poop necklaces. You'll make a fortune. <laughs> so I don't know if that's true or not, but it might be worth looking into. <laughs> but, but those kind of ancillary products are, are what you want to do because, you know, again, the, they help you tell your story. They help defer costs. Um, and you know who knows that might be that might be where your source of profits come from right maybe then maybe the the meat is just uh maybe the meat becomes the ancillary product um, the woman doing turdy works is making a lot of money off of moose poop so it could be you never know it's very unique <laughs> so john mentioned it briefly at the beginning in the podcast let everybody watch and know where can they find your podcast where can they get your emails tell us where to find you 
Yeah, wealthsteading.com is the website where they can directly access the podcast. So I'm, but I'm out there in all the, all the normal places. Um, I have a, a YouTube channel that you can find me too if you just Google wealthsteading or um, John Pugliano. Spell my name close and you'll, you'll find me. Uh, but the, 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 the YouTube channel is, um, is different content than the podcast. I just don't reproduce the same thing out there. It's, they, they rhyme, obviously, but they're not exactly the same content. And then my, my firm's site is investablewealth.com. That's where I blog about anytime I buy or sell something or if I want to talk about uh, just a quick commentary about the stock market or these, these two charts you're looking at now or things that I recently uh, commented on on my, on my blog site. So you can see the blog site there. You can sign up for free notifications. Uh, you know, there's no cost of the stuff. There's no secret decoder rings. I, uh, I've been very blessed in my life to where I've, I've made money and um, I enjoy what I do. And it, it, I don't lose any money by telling people what I do. So I'm very happy to freely tell people what I do, how to make money, I, you know, let them decide if, it, if it's right or wrong for them. Um, and then, uh, as I said, I have a money management business where I'm, I'm happy to charge my clients when I actively invest for them. But for everybody else, hey, you can just go along free for the ride. And um, all my stuff is out there. It's, uh, it's all archived on the websites. It's not, I've never taken any of it off. Uh, so I encourage people to look that up. Um, so all that information's out there. Happy to, happy to talk to your, uh, your listeners and your viewers have any questions yeah i can't suggest i mean i've been a follower for years and years we we talked back before your book came out so i've we've talked since before then and i've been following for years john's principles they're solid uh one of the things that i like is when you're following john he isn't selling you anything he has a book but i mean you go read his amazon, book you... amazon makes all that yeah amazon makes all that <laughs> he, in fact i I got, I got a, I always joke whenever I get my royalty check twice a year, I always, I always laugh and tell my wife, you know, why we, we go buy dinner. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's John's, all his advice is he's not trying to make you buy a product. A lot of times, this is something I learned early on when I first found out about John and what he did. A lot of times, if you get a guy who's trying to manage your money, he's selling you a product. He's selling you, Hey, uh, I'll take your money and, I'll, and he's getting a percentage of, uh, you know, if I can make you buy a bunch of stuff. So he doesn't care how much money you have to invest. He just wants to, he wants to make some money off your money. John is giving this advice out. He's, he's not selling you any products. Uh, most of my audience wouldn't even be in the bracket where they could use John's services in the first place. Uh, I'm not there yet. Uh, so John's advice is really just coming from a place of sharing uh, good stuff. He's not trying to upsell you on anything. So I can't, I can't vouch I can't say enough good things about John's podcast, his emails and all that stuff. So thanks for taking the time, John. Go check out John. If you haven't seen his, his YouTube channel, if you haven't listened to his podcast, go and check that out. I know it's going to help you on your journey because it helped us in so many ways over these years, uh, listening, following along. And, and most importantly, like John said, doing the work, applying those principles. You can listen to all the episodes, but if you don't do it, it's not going to change anything. <laughs> So, John, thanks for taking the time. You've been a huge asset to our family over the years. Uh, your wisdom that, that you've put out uh, just to be helpful has really affected people's lives for the better. Me and my family are able to lead a life that I look, even my dad, I had a wonderful family life. Uh, my dad and my mom were great parents, but I didn't get to spend near as much time with my dad as my kids get to spend with me, whether or not they like to sometimes. I don't know all the farm chores I make them do, but... <laughs> So thanks for taking the time, John, for joining us. 
If you enjoyed this episode and you wish it was twice as long with twice as much information, there is a version like that. It's in the Pioneers Only Library. You can click a link in the description of this podcast or this YouTube video to become a Homesteady Pioneer. You'll gain access to our entire library of Pioneers Only content. You'll get all the extended versions of these episodes. They're all about double the length of the ones you get here on YouTube or on iTunes. So become a pioneer, get access to that and more. You can learn more through the link in the description.